Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Coming up this week, Disney announces that Disneyland will not be getting magic bands after all. Harambe Village Marketplace opens at Disney's Animal Kingdom, and our own Kathy Whirling wrote a blog about it and got retweeted by no by none other than Joe Rohde himself. I'm going to talk a little bit uh, also a little later on about an incredibly bad dining experience I had at the Hollywood and Vine restaurant at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And a little later on, we're going to continue our Seven Resorts in Seven Days Disneyland edition with a look at Disney's Grand Californian Hotel and Spa. All that coming up next. From the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, this is the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged, episode 815 for the week of May 26, 2015. The Diz Unplugged is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show, coming to you live from the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner. Excuse me, joined at the table this week by my good friends, John Magi. Hi, everybody. Kevin Close. Hi, everyone. Kathy Whirling. Hi, everybody. Rhino Clavin. Hello. And back in the production nook, our producer, Dustin West, along Hi. with associate producer, Gregory Williams. Hello. Back from his whirlwind trip out to California. Oh, yeah. To cover the 60th anniversary. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. amazing. Got some great, Incredible. great video out of it. We still have a lot more to come. Well, okay. Yeah. Good. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, as well uh, in housekeeping. Well, that'll be first up. We are in the middle of our Disneyland Seven Resorts in Seven Days series. And uh, today's uh, installment covers uh, Disney's Grand Californian Hotel and Spa as well as Disney's California Adventure. We've been putting up videos every day since Friday, uh, along with articles, photo galleries, videos, everything you would ever want to see and know about uh, the Disneyland Resort and some of the hotels that are part of the good neighbor properties uh, in the area. So we encourage you to check that out. We will have links to everything in the show notes page, uh, disunplugged.com. And uh, we've got a lot of great videos up there. I really encourage you to go watch. Uh, Plus, like I said, Craig was out in California along with Tom Bell and uh, Mary Jo Willie, and they were covering, uh, covering the 60th anniversary. That must have been something else because it looked the videos looked amazing yeah so uh we got a sneak peek at world of color on wednesday the 20th as well as then the fireworks disneyland forever and paint the night on uh the next thursday night uh well not the next thursday but the next day after on thursday uh so we got to see everything before they officially debuted on may 22nd uh with the 24-hour event which uh, it was an absolute nightmare. I've heard all these good stories about everything at Disney World. Very easy going to get in for the most part, yeah. and you could leave and come back anytime you want. Uh, they closed for uh, they closed for capacity out in out in land. Yeah, Disneyland closed for capacity at about one o'clock in the afternoon and didn't reopen again until three o'clock. Whenever, whenever um, California Adventure ended up closing for capacity because everyone wanted to get in to see the 3 a.m. showing of World of Color. And then people were finally allowed back in. And there were six-hour waits at the security checks to get in. And it was just a nightmare. But for everyone who got in and saw it, uh, 
two amazing shows. Disneyland Forever is probably my new favorite fireworks show. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing experience. You can watch it in multiple places, either on Main Street, and they have projections all up and down Main Street, as well as some new effects that really make you feel immersed in it. If you watch right in front of the castle and have a good view of the Matterhorn, you get an excellent view as well. And that back in Small World and then over in Frontierland, also two extremely unique views for the fireworks. So you still get a little bit of the experience, but you're going to be watching from a far less busy area. And that's just brilliant of oh, them yeah. to do that. That was oh, no. just brilliant. And if you time that. it right and you get the nine o'clock Fantasmic uh fast pass then you can watch phantasmic and then as soon as it's over the fireworks will start mm. right away too so wow. you can get both shows in one and, but if you watch over by small world or anywhere else on main street in the castle you have paint the night with the fireworks right after and paint the night is just uh, it's unreal okay so between the parade <laughs> The fireworks and Fantasmic. Where is is there any place like one spot that you can just stake out to see everything? Uh, there's not one spot you can stake out, but if you watch Paint the Night and then Disneyland Forever fireworks on Main Street, mm-hmm. then if you want to go over to Fantasmic for the 10:45 showing, whenever they run two shows, which I think is yeah. always, if not most of the time, we're then f- you can get over for that. Or get a fast pass for that as well. Exactly. Well, yeah, I, I know that, like you said, uh, Disneyland had closed for capacity on the 24-hour event. Um, and uh, while Worlds did not, while our Magic Kingdom did not close for capacity, it was a lot more crowded this yeah, year. Yeah, it sure was. But it, we, Kathy and I were just talking about it before the show. It was definitely more crowded, but it didn't matter. No. It didn't matter. It was awesome. Yeah. It was the best time I have had in a theme park in a very long time. <laughs> yeah. And we stayed, we, we got in there about um, about 8 o'clock uh, Friday night. And, you know, we're, we're not, I was not doing a full 24 hours. Right. Bless the people who did. God bless them. Well, I, well during the day, it it's just feels like a regular holiday right. weekend day. Yeah. It's the stuff at night that's really that cool. really That really counts. Yeah. So we got in there around 8. We left around 5 in the morning. And so it's just there was something really cool about being in the park overnight and, you know, staying at the Contemporary. So it's a nice, nice walk back over to the hotel. Had a great, great, great You had to experience. stay. You should have stayed till six o'clock because when they play the MIC, you know, song, I'm there. Like, oh, it's time to say goodbye. OK, but at that point, at that already at five o'clock, I was getting cra- uh, cranky. At six yeah. o'clock, if I had to listen to that, I'd be shooting people on Main Street. <laughs> That's just so. exhaustion, Kathy. That's not emotion. That's exhaustion. <laughs> yeah, really. It was, it was neat too that when they when they finished that, Katie and I had scooted over to the side, and all the characters came down off the train platform, and we had like our own little mini meet and greet with the characters, oh, that's and cool. it's like, oh, this is so cool. So we had done. I had been there in the morning for like four hours and then we came back around midnight and stayed for the rest of the evening but you know i'm just going to tell people it is absolutely worth planning a trip to Mm -hmm. be here for one of these 24 hours yes it is absolutely worth planning a trip around it's an experience you never get to have except once a year and for all the things that disney does to soak us with money with these Parties and the you know specialty events inside of the parties, and all that stuff. Then they do something like this, where it's any ticket. If you've got a ticket, you can get in. And 
There were no, not, not a lot of extra things to buy or anything like that. It was just everything was open and everybody was having a good time. And you got people literally dancing in the streets. Oh, I did that. I did and quite a bit of that. And Katie's like, Mom, quit that, quit that. And I'm like, no, I want to have fun in Magic Kingdom. <laughs> and I go. did. I was dancing over in Frontierland. So it was, it was an awesome, it was an awesome night. But uh, speaking of Disneyland, the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged Live on Mixler.com every Sunday, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. And then the new show uh, goes up on iTunes on Monday. And there are segments on Tuesday this week. Uh, the team talks about the Diamond Celebration kickoff and the 24-hour event. Plus, Michael Bowling takes a look at visiting the vineyards of the Disney family of wines. So that is all on this week's episode, which is currently up on iTunes of the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. And we have an update. We are now up to 66 Dizzers on the Coasting for Kids uh, event Good. that uh, is taking place at Cedar Fair Parks across the country. Uh, <laughs> you are signed up as a yes. virtual rider at Dorney yes. Park? What does that mean? That just means I sit there and watch them ride and do whatever and try to raise some money. So, So how do you do that? I mean... It's going to be really tough. I'm just going to be sitting at my computer. So, like, they have, like, webcams of... I guess. Okay. Well, that's cool. So, if you want to donate to me as a virtual rider, <laughs> I'll enjoy it for you. There you go, because as of right now, with the $2,500 matching that uh, Dreams Unlimited did, we are now at $11,905 raised for Give Kids the World. Nice. And uh, just, you know, hats off again to Tom Bell, the host of the Disneyland Edition, of the Diz Unplugged, who you know coordinates this every year and just kind of puts everything he can into it, trying to round people up. This is by far the biggest we've done. Mm-hmm. So hats off to you, Tom. Great job. $12,000 has been raised. We still have a few more days. June 1st is the deadline to register. And you can, like, you can support Kathy. You can support other riders. You can go do it yourself. Um, but we'll have a link in the show notes page, disunplugged.com where you can get more information and uh, help in any way you can to uh, to raise money. Raise money mm-hmm. for a great organization, Give Kids the World. As long as we're talking about Give Kids the World, can I do a housekeeping before it's housekeeping? Yes, please do it. I know who you get what you're going to say, and we should. We have um, some friends who live up in the Northeast who have traveled with us on ABD trips and been to our events and things like that. It's Leaf <laughs> and Elaine Mayorini. And because they couldn't make the New Jersey meet this week, or this year, excuse me, they have made a donation to Give Kids the World in the name of the New Jersey Meet Dreams Unlimited Travel and the Diz. So I just wanted to say thank you for their generosity. And it was a very generous donation. Mm -hmm. It really was. They've been very generous generous. with Give Kids the World in the past, and we thank them for that. So thank you. Thank you both so much for that. That was really appreciated. That was really nice. I saw that yesterday. I was like, wow. Okay, that's cool. So that's awesome. Um... Also, just uh, talking about our other shows, uh, The Trip with Jenny Lynn Knopp and Teresa Eccles airs every Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time Live. And uh, I don't know what they're talking about this week because neither one of them are here and I don't have their synopsis. (laughs) But uh, also Thursdays, uh, the Universal Edition of The Diz Unplugged, Craig Williams, Rhino Clavin, and Jenny Lynn Knopp, as well as Dustin West. There too. 1 p.m. Eastern. And what are you talking about this week, Gregory? Well, we're going to be talking about a new experience at Universal, including some Velociraptors. Yeah, from Jurassic Park. 
look, if you didn't know where they're from. As opposed to Velociraptors from Jurassic Park? <laughs> from Disney's smash hit Dinosaur. <laughs> Where's Mama? Where's the Mama? Don't eat the Mama? It was something like that. Not the Mama. Not, not the, the Mama. mama. Yeah. Don't eat the Mama. Well, not Jim Henson's Dinosaurs. <laughs> okay, I'm completely confused here. <laughs> the sitcom Dinosaurs. Not the Mama, not the Mama. Didn't, didn't I'm watch the it. I'm a baby, gotta love me. That was his song. Okay, well, now okay. I've been serenaded. So. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, well, thank you, Craig, for that bizarre synopsis. Um, anything else in housekeeping? Uh, yes, I have the Indie Dismeet is having an online auction June 18th. It starts at 8 o'clock in the morning, and it runs till June 19th at 8 p.m. They're going to um, announce the, the website that you can go to a week in advance, and you'll be able to bid by using your mobile phone if you want to and it's part of their campaign to raise money this year so awesome awesome check it out thank you kathy anything else i'm out all right then let's go to the poll results from last week's poll we asked you what kind of disney movies do you prefer kind of keeping with a little theme we had going for a few weeks and uh no surprise 43 percent of you said that you prefer Walt Disney Animation. So Frozen, you know, Tangled, movies of that genre uh, is what you prefer. 27% voted for Pixar films. 12% said live action films, which uh, includes Cinderella, Maleficent, Now Tomorrowland. 11% of you said Marvel. And 7% said Lucasfilm. We're going to take this poll again after Star Wars... Uh, uh, releases in December. Yeah. Let's see. Mm. I'm really um, surprised that the Disney animation was the top one. There wasn't I'm Pixar not. or Marvel. I no, guess. I'm not at all. Not with our audience. Yeah. No, not surprised at all. Um, You're wrong. So you were wrong. Well, I would have. I would have been that 11. percent I guess. Yeah. And uh, this week's winner from we, we, the random winner we draw every week from the poll, Michelle Quinzel, has a 50 dollars Disney gift card coming her way. She has a Message from me on Facebook when she checks it and lets me know where she like it sent. So I don't know what our poll is this week. I will think of one or not think of one. And when and if, when and if I that do. That should be the poll. Will Pete think of a poll? <laughs> yes or no? Um, when and if we have one this week, facebook.com slash disunplugged is where you can head to find it and answer it. So with that... We'll turn it over to Johnny with the news. All right. Dustin, why were you praying? Did I want to screw up? No, I just went like this. We are done with that segment. Are you closing out the segment? Yes, I was. (laughs) Father Dustin has given you his blessing. (laughs) You've closed out the segment. All right, our first news story. Reese Witherspoon is starring Disney's live-action Tinkerbell film. Disney has announced. Is this Tinkerbell middle-aged? <laughs> Disney has announced plans for a live-action film called Tink, based on the character of Tinkerbell. I prefer Reese without her spoon. Reese Witherspoon has signed on to star in the film. We have to boo this. No, but yeah. <laughs> and will co-produce it with her production partner Bruna Papandria. The script is being written by Victoria Strauss, who also wrote the script for the upcoming Finding Dory film, the sequel to Finding Nemo. The plan for the film is not to be an exact replica of Tinkerbell's role in Peter Pan, but to tell Tinkerbell's untold story and shed new light on her character. Okay, then. Uh, I'm go with the girl school. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? Alcohol, drugs. <laughs> 
Girls going wild. Hitting those Neverland streets real hard. That's right. <laughs> Tinkerbell was a bad girl. You she never know her backstory. Is. Yeah, she might have some well, stuff out there. While we're on the topic of live action films, I want to address something that's been going on um, with Tomorrowland, which opened uh, opened on Friday. And the pronouncement of just about every media outlet that it's a bomb because it didn't make its projections for its opening weekend. It did 41 million instead of 50. It's opening week overseas uh, that this is, you know, you know, Disney's being repudiated for trying to launch, you know, launch a franchise or, or launch a movie that's not based on known material. They're criticizing Damon Lindelof and Brad Bird for the secrecy around the plot. And, uh, you know, all the trailers were very kind of, you know, you don't know, you didn't know what it was about. Yeah. And that that's really been hurting, uh, hurting box office. And, you know, I, I hope that it's just a slow starter because I think this film deserves to be successful. I thought it was wonderful. Um, then again, I'm a Disney fan. And one of the things that I felt coming out of it was that this is a great film for Disney fans. I don't know how non-Disney fans are going to react to it. Um, just because there are elements that are woven into the story that speak to a Disney fan. There was a big surprise this weekend. Pitch Perfect 2 was a huge success. Yeah. Blew out all box office reports. I saw it last night. Really? You didn't yeah. like it? No. The first one's definitely better. This one was just but I think that the, the reason for it is because the first one was such a sleeper and became such a cult hit. Yeah. I really think every once in a while that you want to go to a movie that's just stupid fun where things right. don't blow up. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but it's also, you know, what they're saying is the, the trend now is that only movies that are sequels, reboots, or involve a storyline that people rel- you know, pretty much know is all that seems to work anymore. And that when you do something a really original like Tomorrowland, people don't respond. Disney spent, they, I think I read that combined with production costs and marketing, $280 million on this film. And they're pretty much guaranteed to take a loss, is what they're saying. Wow. Um, I think that this is ridiculous. If you don't do huge amounts in opening weekend, immediately it's a flop. You see these these movies that live on well past their box office release going on to make hundreds of millions of dollars in DVD and downloads. And people are just crazy. Well, I know. 41 million is I just read an article about the movie Showgirls. Which was an at- and has nothing to do with Disney, but it was an absolute bomb when it first came out. Sure. It was reviewed as pretty much the worst movie ever. Well, it's kind of become that cult classic, and it's made back like ten times what it originally cost. Well, so it's one of those things that has lived on. Well, well you know, um, Vertigo, the number which is now ranked the number one movie of all time, was a flop that they said was going to end Alfred Hitchcock's career. Really? When the movie came out. It took like ten years for that movie to get like the appreciation it deserves. So. The Wizard of Oz was panned. Oh yeah! Wow. Well, I, I hope that, I hope that Tomorrowland finds success sooner than that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because it's going to encourage Disney and uh, maybe other studios to start doing some original stories as opposed to, you know, I mean, look, don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of a lot of sequels and reboots, and um, you know, especially what they're doing with Marvel, kind of that, you know, that known stuff. What they're doing with Star Wars. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a big, big fan. But I also would like to see more. I, I thought this movie was so brilliantly done, mm-hmm. and just such a such a joy to watch. We were talking about this before 
the show started. And Rhino said it was okay. He didn't think it was as great as you did. But we talked about the fact that I don't know that this movie was um, marketed the right way. I, I agree with you completely on that, too. Should I also, be. we talked about the movie Into the Woods. Into the Woods was marketed as a Johnny Depp movie. All the commercials had Johnny Depp in it. Johnny Depp stars in Into the Woods. And I think to myself, Johnny Depp was in it for three and a half minutes, and it was unrecognizable. We talked to people in the theater the day we went to see Into the Woods who didn't realize that this was a musical. And I think to myself, that's poor advertising. Yeah. yeah. I think this movie is being advertised in such a way that I saw the extended trailer, and I thought, I had no idea this is what they were talking about. And when you guys talked about it, I thought... I got none of that from the advertising. I got none of that from the write-ups. To the well, beginning. that was intentional. That was intentional. Well, they that's wanted why they made to do one million dollars. <clears throat> they wanted to do. They wanted that to be a mystery. They want you know it was basically trust us. Um, the trailers were basically trust us. We have oh okay and you know so they would just show these little bits and snippets with you could never put together and make the story and. You know, I you know maybe that was a mistake. I don't know. I don't know how to market a film. Uh, I know that it was enough to get my interest. I did trust them. I felt like that trust was rewarded for me as a Disney fan. I liked the message. I liked the concept behind it. Um, Do you also think part of the problem though is that Disney had such failure with these uh, with the Haunted Mansion before it? Haunted Mansion movies were so bad that I think people got. You know, scared. They're going to try and remake it. Right? No, no, I don't think that. I don't think that uh, that plays a role at all because they've been doing, you know, they've been doing stories like Maleficent, and even though she's a known a known character, it was an original story. These live action films, and this is kind of in that vein, I think, in a way. What yeah, you, what I can't say? remember what website I read it on, but I just read it last night, uh, and. It might have been Vanity Fair, but someone wrote that they actually believe that the age of a big-name star like Johnny Depp or George Clooney being the, the headliner of a film and making that successful, that that whole age is over. And like Pete already said, it's all about reboots and stuff that we're familiar with. If we're familiar with something, we'll go and see it. So movies like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which are just god-awful whenever you look back on it now... But that was a huge hit just because of Johnny Depp's name on it and kind of going back with Into the Woods. that People didn't go see it just for Johnny Depp. They went to see it because it had a nice buzz surrounding it after. And the sad part about Tomorrowland is the buzz hasn't been great as time's gone on. And even that name of George Clooney isn't enough to save it from the bad this, word of mouth around it. This happened, uh, it was either last summer or the summer before that, too, okay, with um, The Lone Ranger. It got a bad name during production because they were saying it went, like, 50 million over. It had all the troubles getting started. Then they finally made it. and um, But people wanted to hate it. People wanted it to be terrible. And so it got all these reviews where it was at, like, 20%. And I saw that movie, and, I, I mean, it's got its moments that are a little weird, but I really enjoyed that movie yeah. a lot more reading everything it's, but I read a, I read and it Quentin Tarantino was in his top 10 of the year like it, so it threw a lot I'm of people sure that's it's, a it's, recommendation yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly what you're saying they're they're hyping it up to be bad yeah well, uh, compared to like Cutthroat Island with Gina Davis which is constantly ranked as the biggest flop of all time uh, from you know uh, not uh, more budget. than Ishtar oh, I don't know about that but budget to uh, budget to what they actually made yeah. it was it's absolutely ridiculous 
There was a movie that I wanted to see very badly. There was a Broadway play called August, Osage County. It won the Pulitzer Prize. Oh, yeah, I remember It was hilarious, supposedly. The reviews all said, you're going to laugh till you can't see anymore. Well, they made a movie out of it, and that's how they advertised it. One of the biggest comedies of the year. Well, I watched August, Osage County, and it's not funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's well acted, and there's there's some smiles in it, but... It's kind of sad. Yeah. And they took none of the sad humor from the play and brought it up. But you advertise as it was that one thing, and you find out you've gotten something else. That that word gets out pretty yeah. quickly. I think it's ironic because the, the, the movie itself is all about optimism versus pessimism. And I think here we are in this real world with that pessimistic attitude that they're fighting against in the movie. And I think that's what's winning right now. So it's it's very weird to see this. Like It just takes that... One person hated it. One person, hated it. you know, I didn't enjoy it as much as you did. But I already told you, like, right. I, it, I think it was a marketing thing for me. But I said I would love to watch the making of it. There's things I did enjoy. I wasn't in love with it, but I wouldn't say it was terrible or anything. But I, I don't know. It's just, it's just funny to having seen the movie and now seeing what's happening with yeah. the movie. I'd recommend seeing it just for that alone. Do you know all of the things they did beforehand? Though the little tricks and there were suitcases and there were yeah. maps and stuff. Like, and they kept comparing it to Lost. The things that were hidden and lost, and you had to go to a website and look up. And I think to myself, that's what I hated about Lost. <laughs> you were so secretive that I didn't understand what the heck you were doing. And I think I haven't seen it yet. And all of that stuff beforehand turned me off. I don't want to work that hard. Yeah. Well, nonetheless, go see it. Go see it. It's we just great, haven't had time. It's, it's a great movie. To. It's a great movie. I loved it. So that's all you need to know. I loved it. <laughs> don't listen to anybody else. There you go. All right, right, our second news story. Two top Disney executives sell large amounts of stock. Disney CEO Robert Iger has cashed in some of his stock in the company, taking in $21.7 million by selling 200,000 shares, according to an official filing. Iger continues to hold more than 1.0 million shares in the entertainment conglomerate, whose shares recently reached an all-time high. At an, at an average price of $108.73 per share when he sold last Monday, the Disney's boss's sales netted him $21,746,000. Oh, good for him. The Disney board has, has rewarded the CEO with several pay hikes for his performance, bringing his salary to $46.5 million in the last completed fiscal year. Disney issued a statement calling the sale, quote, part of Mr. Iger's, Mr. Iger's normal diversification of his portfolio and adding that he continues to hold more than 1.1 million shares. Um, the market did not flinch on the news. Iger is not the only Disney employee to have benefited from the company's spiraling stock price. Chief Financial Officer Jay Rizzullo cashed in 101 15,000 shares 115,000. Boy, that was. Oh, wow. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Hoping Tomorrowland they teach you how to count and read numbers. Chief Financial Officer Jay Rizzullo cashed in 115,000 shares last March and pocketed more than $12 million. Rizzullo still holds nearly 116,000 more shares, either directly or through his 401k. In a related story, George Lucas has made a reported 2.2 billion dollars in paper profit on the Walt Disney stock he received in exchange for the rights to the Star Wars franchise thanks to the outperformance of the media company's shares. Mr. Lucas sold his 
It's just so much money for one man. <laughs> oh, and that's nothing compared to what he already has. Uh, Mr. Lucas sold his Lucasfilm Group to Disney at the end of 2012, receiving $2.2 billion in cash and, and $37.1 million Disney shares. Wow. According to the regulatory filings, at the time, Mr. Lucas's shares were worth $1.9 billion, giving the deal a total value of $4.1 billion. Wow. There's nobody in that family that will ever work ever again. No. Now, you know what? I know that people, you know, rail about CEO pay and all that stuff. I'm speaking specifically of Bob Iger. He deserves what he gets. Can I- the man, you know... Let, let, let's just come on he orchestrated Pixar the acquisition of Pixar he or, orchestrated the acquisition of Marvel he or, uh, orchestrated the acquisition of Lucasfilms he is developing these out not just in, in, in films but in theme parks the numbers are up across the board they are up in large measure because of his leadership and his ideas he deserves to get compensated for it and this is what the market bears we live in a capitalist society and this is what happens if you don't like this go live in russia because there those are does, my only options those basically yeah. <laughs> it's here in russia no look it's another thing it's another thing when these ceos drive uh, drive companies into the ground right. and get these golden parachutes. Right. That's a little different. But you know what? When it's tied to performance, and this is what the market bears, this is what the market bears. And that's that's America, folks. That's well, let America. Me, let me ask. The, uh, this Always has been America, too. It's, it's not new. Let me ask this question. You know, obviously, Bob Iger has uh, announced that he is planning retirement next year. Um or I can't remember if he changed it to the following year. But anyway, Jay Rasulo is also cashing in. Well, he's cashing in because he's on his way out. You think so? Oh, no, there's no question. Well, there's no question. It was it was between him and Tom Staggs who was going to take over for Rasulo. And with Tom Staggs' last who's promotion. Who going to take over for Iger? Or for Iger. Yeah, what, what did I say? You For takeover for Rasulo. Oh, yeah, for Iger. I knew what you meant. And, uh, you know, when, when uh, Staggs got the promotion that basically anointed him. Yeah. You know the crown prince. Uh, so Rasulo's dropping the mic. Well, his his contract his contract is not yet renewed. As you say, he's yeah. working without a contract, and so, he's also yep. he's, he's on his way. He's out. not going to be brought in. So whether or not Disney ends him or not, he's probably going to walk away and go somewhere else. Yeah. Oh, Disney won't end him. Disney won't yeah, end him. Go. He'll no. He'll he'll leave on his own. Yeah. But there's nowhere else to go. But you know, out. Yeah. <laughs> there's no he's place. He's going to be a barista. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, he's he's done just fine. He's yeah. you know. He's not going to be living out of his car. Um, so, so it's here or Russia. <laughs> the other thing Iger did, too, is Iger's increased stock prices tremendously. He's increased dividends uh, tremendously. So it's not like he's sucking all the money out of the company. You know, he's performing. Right, so he is. He's getting he rewarded is. And, for his you know, performance. My, my, my point about it's here or Russia, just in terms of this is a capitalist society. This is how, we were, this is how the, uh, the country was built was built on capitalism and we are a capitalist society and this is part of that now does it go too far sure can things be reined in well that's up to the shareholders of the companies to do um i don't think that needs to be legislated i don't think that needs some of the things that get thrown around i don't think that needs to happen i think it's up to shareholders to decide what their ceos get paid and how those companies are managed but in Iger's case i speak specifically of bob Iger here i think he deserves it I think he deserves it. I think he's brought it in. He's brought it in for the company. And he's definitely, even for those of us who are not stockholders, why are you smirking at me? 
I'm not smirking at you. There's conversation going on in chat about money. Okay, good. Good. Um, I I think that uh, he he's not just brought it in for shareholders, but I think for those of us who are who are fans, who are fans of the theme parks, fans of the uh, the movies, he's brought it for us too. So I've enjoyed the films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I have to say. All right. Our third and final news story. This was very interesting. Disneyland will not get magic bands. In a recent Los Angeles Times article, Mary Niven, vice president of Disneyland Park, stated that Disneyland Resort guests will not be seeing magic bands in the near future. At Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, magic bands are used heavily, replacing park admission tickets and hotel room keys. Guests also have the option of attaching a credit card to their profile. Niven added that magic bands don't fit with the local heavy demographics of Disneyland guests, most of which don't stay for long periods at the resort hotels. In the same article, Disney Chief Operating Officer Tom Staggs acknowledges that guests will be seeing Star Wars in the parks, but not at the expense of favorite attractions. According to Staggs, quote, we will look at Star Wars to be a plus while not taking away from things that people love. No specifics have been offered about the inclusion of Star Wars at the Disneyland Resort. Okay, well, a couple things. Uh, I, I'm almost I'm almost positive D23 this year they're going to make their announcements about what they're doing with Star Wars in the parks. That would be the perfect time to do it. Agreed. Um, but the Magic Bands. I'm going to tell, tell you why I think the Magic Bands aren't coming to Disneyland. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's... Uh, how did they put it? Uh, local driven. The business. local heavy demographics of Disneyland guests, most of which don't stay for long periods at the resort hotels. It has nothing to do with mm-hmm. that. The Disneyland fans, who are the locals, won't put up with it. This has not been a big hit among Disney fans. I love them. I love the Magic fans. But there are a lot of fans who don't. That park is run by the fans. They are scared of the fans at Disneyland <laughs> because that's a big chunk yeah. of business. That's a huge chunk of business for and them. And that's capitalism for you. And that is It's here in Russia. <laughs> you want Where there is no Disneyland. <laughs> Go to Russia for goodness. And they have to take a look at how it, uh, even though that we're less of a factor here at Disney World, they do have to take a look at the response from the annual pass holders and, and what they've said at Disney World and then just multiply that by like, okay, that's 100% of your audience over in Disneyland. And how does that affect them? And where, how does that come into their decision making? Well, I think, it's, I think it does have to do with the fact that it's a local driven park and their audience is their audience I mean here we talk about getting reservations six months in advance you go to Disneyland and except maybe Blue Bayou you can pretty much get any reservation you want if not the day of within a day or two yeah. mm-hmm. so it's not like it's not the same dynamic that it is here it's not that hysteria that you know your life is going to end if you don't get to be our guest reservation right well it's it, I mean granted it is a different product in a lot of ways but I think that telling this audience that you have to do these things now, you have to book your things in advance, and you have to book your fast passes in advance, this is a very organized, vocal audience. And when they don't like something, they, have, they very much let Disney know about it. And Disney responds. I wish we had that same kind of... Yeah. Yeah. push here. I think that a lot of the local nice. population here looks at Disney as a nuisance. Yeah, they do. 
They do. And I don't think there's a huge local uh, uh, following, a huge local presence. Not the way it is at Disneyland. But also, this is a much, uh, a much more popular destination for international and out-of-state tourists, unlike Disneyland. So I, I think that... Uh, I think that's the main reason why I think they know that the the the, the natives will revolt and they will storm <laughs> they will revolting. literally storm the castle. They're already having a problem right now too with their new World of Color show. Uh, for people who don't want spoilers, stop listening for like the next ten seconds. But there is a Frozen part, the exact same one from Winter Dreams, and then the regular show when they added it back in. And supposedly that section was supposed to be Marvel up until a week before the show debuted and Bob Iger cut it out. And people are pissed off that Frozen's in there because it just derailed the entire show. And it just it went from flowing smoothly and then all of a sudden it fell down. So there was a lot of locals talking That's- about how they just they've seen it there. They're good. They don't need to see it again. It, it, mm. it messes up the flow because it's literally a copy and paste, right? Yeah. It just it wasn't built to be in there. They yeah. threw it in at the last second, and it really hurts the show. So it's probably going to end up being another uh, another telling of Disneyland fans getting pissed off about it, and they're going to have to revamp the show a little more. Because I think there's something. I apologize for interrupting. I think no. there's something else with the with the Magic Band thing for Disneyland in that. Uh, they mentioned it. Disneyland doesn't get the people who will stay for longer periods of time. So this is going to be more costly for them because you're going to get the locals who come on a weekend or come on multiple weekends in a row or stay for one night. And all of a sudden you're now chugging out these magic bands and you're going to, have to spend a lot more money okay, on let's, the physical property. But I think we also have to remember what the point of magic bands were in the first place. Data mining. Okay? Let's just call it for what it is. The purpose behind Magic Bands was was and is data mining. They want to know how you move through the parks. They want to know where the money is spent. They want to know what the attract what you know the attractions, the choices you make when you choose to visit, what days you choose to visit, what month you choose to visit. All this stuff. This is all part of the profiling, the data mining that Disney has been doing for years. Yeah, and now it's you all know, and and you know, in its most basic form, those of you who remember and sometimes still do get the discount postcards from Disney with the discount code, and you know, how many years did we hear on the boards? Well, why didn't I get one? Well, mm-hmm. because you weren't data targeted. That's why. Yeah. There was something Disney knew about this person that they wanted to target that person or people in this area, and that's why they that's why they did it. And so this is that taken to a whole nother level. Information down to, I mean, literally the guest level, the individual guest level, knowing when your birthdays are, when your kids' birthdays are, when you're celebrating anniversaries. All this stuff it, is all stuff that's being mined by Disney. It's, it's, it's all stuff that they have, in many ways, they have already tracked in the past. And now it's all coming together in one place. And also, and without going, without trying to go into the whole like uh, scary, uh, darkened future, you know, with a D flip, chips. with a flip of the switch, they can track your location. They can track crowd patterns. They can, uh, they can, uh, you know, when you go through a fast pass line, they can they're say happy all, birthday to you. They're you already know? doing wide field 
they're always already doing wide field reading with the RFID chips now. And the way you know that is because uh, when you drop, when you take the drop on Splash Mountain, uh, and you go into your My Disney Experience and look at your photos, mm-hmm. there it is. Even though you never went up to the kiosk yep. and put your band up there. There it is, because they're doing wide field. They're reading the bands of every person in that boat and attaching that photo to their account. And we saw it happen several times this week. We were staying on property. And, okay, and I I don't particularly have a problem with that. I don't particularly have a problem with that. Um, If Disney is shown to be doing something nefarious with it, I would have a problem. But in terms of tailoring offers to me based on how I vacation, this is something I want from them. It's very minority report. Well, I don't, you know, and again, I, I think people can kind of get crazy with that stuff. Not that bad things don't go on with data mining. It does. It does. This is just the next step because, you know, I don't know about you, but I have a login for Disney. That is also my DisneyStore.com login. That's right. my, my Disney Experience login. They know what you're purchasing. I get mm-hmm. the emails that say there's something in your cart, or you looked at this, or you're, we see you've purchased this in the past. This is just an extension of all of that, bringing all that data together, and now collecting it at the, at the park level. And as somebody who, somebody who goes into the parks and is a consumer of the products, is a fan of the products, I want them to tailor things to me. Yeah. I want them to tailor things that they know that I like. So if they know I like staying at the Contemporary or I like staying at Fort Wilderness and they're tailoring offers to me around that, that's great. Um, you know, They know I'm an annual pass holder. They know that I'm local. They know that I'm this and that. They tailor offers to me around that. That's great. I want that. I want that. Um, and I know there are arguments about that, uh, privacy and, and things of that nature, and I'm not dismissing or diminishing those arguments. I'm speaking for myself only where Disney is concerned. I don't have a problem with it. Because as, as, the, as it stands in this moment, all of that information only pertains to you in the Walt Disney World Resort, it, in the Disney World property. You just and, said and something the, at the beginning of that. What? At this moment. Exactly. The minute that that kind of trend goes on to you know your local government, your state government, your your your, your federal government, of course, obviously that's when the scary. Or if happens. Disney starts doing something with the information that they shouldn't be, something yeah. that isn't that, like I said, you know, they do something nefarious with it. That's a different story. Right. right now, based on the information that I have and the experience I have using the Magic Bands, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Me too. Um, I. And I, I, I'm not just I'm not disrespecting anybody else's opinions that differ. That's just mine. Um, I'm, so I'm okay with it here, and heaven knows I have enough magic bands. But I still like the feel when you go to Disneyland that you don't have to do that. I, I like that experience. Sure. Better. And yeah, so do I. But I, I, get I enjoy why. it. I enjoy getting the paper fast passes, or you know, not. But I, I, I got to tell you, especially you know. Had a, having a great week on property just this past week. I got back yesterday. Uh, I love the magic pants. I love it. I do. I absolutely love it. And we had a couple of. I had a couple of issues where I had yeah. to go to guest services. I had to go to the concierge and get things get things fixed. But you know what? They were fixed quickly and easily, and there was no drama. And they threw a free fast pass on my oh, well, on my good. day. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I I enjoy them. I enjoy them, but all right, we've got to we've got to move on. Thank you, John. All right, let's move on to rapid fire. And does it matter who I start with, Dustin? I think we it have does, John first. It does yeah. matter. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, there's no there's it no flexibility. It matters well, to me. There's no flexibility. No, you, so. There is none. It's like magic pants. 
All right. My <laughs> rapid fire is, is a new tour at Epcot uh, that you can book as of right now. It's called the World Showcase Destinations Discovered. The N is capitalized in Destinations. To emphasize the fact that it's the World Showcase. Uh, tour of Epcot's World Showcase pavilions take guests behind both on stage and backstage, showing how the pavilions were created and some special behind-the-scenes surprises. Um, I think we should send Kathy to review that. I think it sounds like fun. Well, it depends on what they show you. Well, you won't know until you go. Again. Or until we send Kathy. It's daily, 9.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., so there are only two. It's five hours long. It's $116.09 per person, but lunch is included in that. Currently, no discounts are available, and you also have to have theme park admission. Um, the minimum age is 16 for this tour. Does it say how long a tour it is? Five hours. Five hours. I got to tell you, any excuse to go backstage at Epcot, oh, yeah. take it. Especially World Showcase. It's really cool mm-hmm. backstage at World Showcase. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know how. Of course, it's a new tour. I don't know what the structure of it is, and I don't know if it is worth the money. But all I can say is, any excuse to go backstage at Epcot is worth it to me. I love that yeah when i did the 5k and i got to go backstage i'm like hey this is pretty cool as i'm going through the area so yeah it would be cool well only if you do that dance um <laughs> I, I i want you to i want you to go review it okay cool i will all right that's it for now my go fire. get out go <laughs> all right thanks john kevin i'm gonna go off book for a minute great job ireland um, yeah. huh? Great job, Ireland. I don't know what yeah, that means. Same-sex marriage. Oh, yes, oh, yes, cool. yes, yes, yes. Great job, Ireland. Oh. Um, mine actually is about uh, Adventures by Disney. I just want to remind folks that the new 2016 dates will be released on June 9th for Adventure Insiders and the 10th for the rest of you. Um, I don't know that our 2016 dates are going to be available to us at the, the Diz exclusive trips. Can I say same things that we're looking at? Sure. Okay. We are looking at doing two backstage magics next year. We have had luck with our February trip and our December trip. We have requested them again. We have requested another trip like we're doing this July where we combine the San Francisco weekend where you get to see Lucas Films and the Disney Family Museum and Diane Disney Miller's Silverado Winery with the backstage magic. And for those of us who are for those of you who are looking forward to our European trip, we have requested the northern European trip that includes Lake Cuomo and Switzerland for sometime in early September. We had those are requests. If you're interested in any of those, let me know. I don't have dates, I don't have prices, I don't even have a guarantee that we're gonna get what we asked for. But that's what we've asked for. We've never done this before. We've never put that information out before we actually had the information ready. Oh, why not? Why not? But I want to add for 2016, there will be no new trips from Adventures by Disney. They've already released their Danube cruises, river cruises. That That's was the big, big thing for thing. 2016. So next year, you're going to see all the same trips that were this year. It's just whatever dates they fall on. There and might those, be some some tweaks to the itineraries, but they haven't given us that information yet. And the river cruises are selling like crazy. They are. They really, I mean, that's incredible. Several of the dates are approaching sold out. There are cancellations and things like that, but the August date and the new uh, December date still seem to have some availability. Cool. All right, thank you, Kevin. Kathy? The Harambe Market opened at Animal Kingdom Saturday. Yeah, because I was there Sunday. 
but it's really neat. It's they've put in four new quick service, um, much needed. Yes, kiosk, and that was funny because I was there at like ten to eleven. It opens at eleven o'clock, and there were like two people sitting because it's a nice shady area. And at eleven o'clock, it's like they told everybody in Animal Kingdom to go <laughs> to this area, and it was packed with no seats within 15 minutes wow but there's four different kiosks they have um they're now serving wine and draft beer back there and if you walk to the very back you'll see the um train from rafiki's planet watch goes by so you can be entertained by the train it you know i know that area very well i know exactly the harambe market used to be um, the backstage area behind the Mombasa marketplace yes, yes. and behind um, uh, it, it was it was our break area. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, it was. Okay. It was one of the uh, break areas for uh, Mombasa marketplace and for the uh, for the Rafiki's uh, the Wildlife Express, and I would go back there quite often. Uh, that doesn't exist anymore. It's well, a, it's really, 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 you know. A neat area, and I in in the blog that I wrote, I said that it reminded me of Africa because that that whole Harambe village reminds me of Africa. And you, of course, grew up in Africa, yes, so I, she yes. speaks from what she knows. And uh, Joe Rohde, the Imagineer who was basically responsible for Animal Kingdom, uh, tweeted out yesterday: "Ironic but true, the people who most appreciate Animal Kingdom's authenticity." are those who have seen the real thing. And then he linked to Kathy's article. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, oh, that I was mean, like I, I read it. Somebody, A podcast listener had sent it to me at like 6 o'clock in the morning, and I was doing like the happy dance <laughs> at my desk. I'm like, Joe Rody, Joe Rody read my article. Wow, that's really cool. But it, it really is. You can tell that Disney knocked themselves out. And just, yeah. you know, when you get there, don't be so, you know, in a hurry to get your food. Look around at the details because – there, there are just so many of them, and and read all the little signs that they have on the walls, and, and oh, such a beautiful park too. Oh, I mean, it, it is, really it is. is. And you know, I it was my least favorite Disney theme park until Dustin did the uh, Animal Kingdom 101 series, yeah. where he kind of the hidden secrets of Animal Kingdom, and once that story was kind of explained to me. And the details, I it took. I got a whole new appreciation for it, and we spent Thursday over there. And you know, it's it really it still is the hottest spa- spot on the face of the planet. <laughs> um, but yeah. it, we had a great day. Well, let me tell you those. You know, the details that you're talking about, Kathy, the the signage and and all that different stuff. It, it, that's not just unique in the new Harambe Market. That's all over Africa, all oh, over right. Asia, oh, definitely. everywhere. And um, another thing to note about the new Harambe market is that it it serves another purpose beyond having more fast food locations and more shopping experiences. Uh, it serves as a, a guest uh, tra- uh, traffic flow. Yes. Um, yes. Harambe is a dead end. You go up one way and you come back out the exact same way. The only place you can go from Harambe is take a train to Rafiki's Planet Watch, and that doesn't connect to anywhere else in the park. So this creates a loop in Harambe. This means you can walk all the way to the top of the village of Harambe and not have to double back. You can right. now take another pathway, and so it creates it creates a better uh, traffic flow throughout um, that portion of the park. And I think. 
think that Disney did a good job. I haven't seen it, but I have seen your pictures. Um, they've done a good job at taking the necessity of, okay, we need to be able to uh, get this traffic flow going a different direction. So they take that necessity and say, okay, well now what can we do with that? Let's theme it up. Let's make something out of it. And it seems like they've done that with this. Yeah, and and I had the um, the corn dog that was fried in curry butter, mm. and mm. I, I have spent my whole life going, ooh, Corey, cur- curry. Why would I hate you know? I hate Corey. <laughs> curry, uh, <laughs> but I tried it. It was very good. It's a sausage dog. It's not a hot dog. It's sausage. Yeah, dog. It was very good, and I had. Oh, don't make me come back there. <laughs> and it had a broccoli um, tomato little salad with it, which I thought was something totally different than what you would get anywhere in a Disney theme park. And I had the watermelon lemonade, which I thought, you know. So there, there's a lot of different choices. Uh, there's the one place had ribs. Hmm. A lot of really nice choices that are different than your typical theme park fare. Does it help? Did it really help move traffic out of that main drag? Yes, it did, because Animal Kingdom was super-duper packed. Because as I was walking through there, I'm there like, and this is the park that everybody says it's a half-day park? It was the most crowded I think I've ever seen it, past Christmas. So I don't know what their numbers were, but being able to walk through that area, and it was funny just watching everybody walk through there and you can come out you know it comes out onto that pathway where everybody beats on the drums on your way to asia so it does it helps awesome so if you get the chance check it out great and great job on the blog oh thank you all right rhino um the disney parks blog uh gave us a first look at the cinderella castle regal turrets that are coming to magic kingdom park but they didn't say when they were coming out but they made it sound like they, they were, were already open out. already, yeah. yeah. So I thought when I went to the 24-hour um, thing that I'd see them, but the boxes are still up over them. It just says the addition of the new turrets that... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the turrets extend the castle's royal look across the new expanded area. It was a very descriptive first look. It's, it's <laughs> kind of like what they have in New Fantasyland that separates um, New Fantasyland from Old Fantasyland, uh, expanding... You, you, you know what I'm... What I'm yeah, about the, those wall areas. If you're watching the video portion, we'll have a link to this in the show notes page. There's a picture here. Um, you can see on the left or right of Cinderella Castle, there's these two additional turrets, which just kind of expand. You know, the hub is expanding, so should the castle uh, turrets in the walls. Yeah. You know. Are they attached to the castle? No. No, no. no they're just sort structures. of plopped there. Yeah. Good. <laughs> it'll fit in when they open it'll look nice. it'll look very pretty I mean that whole area what they've done there is just it's amazing. nice how it's yeah. opening up yeah I agree I agree alright thank you Rhino Dustin yeah I have um, I have that Hoi Palloi is uh, now closed at downtown Disney this is one of those things where like when you hear someone who's an old actor has passed away and you go they're still alive Hoi <laughs> <laughs> Palloi is still open yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, I had to ask Craig, and I don't think that we're still in agreement. Hoi Pulley was next to the Pop Gallery behind. No. Is that correct? No, there was no. nothing next to that. No, it was, it was next to the movie a, theater. So it was down an alleyway. Okay, you were afraid that, to go. The Pop Gallery is down the alleyway. Okay. Hoi Pulley was like next to Sunglass Hut in the cigar store, yeah. okay. and they sold a random assortment of crap. Okay, that's what okay. I thought. Like and you then, could buy a little Zen garden and a rake. <laughs> That's what I thought, and Craig, Craig told me I was wrong, so it's all Craig's fault. Bob Keller used to sell really expensive guitars. Do you remember yeah. that? Yep. Yeah. And he used to think, who's buying this stuff? 
Yeah. So anyway, hoi polloi, uh, along that stretch near the you know the Sterling Silver and the Magic Shop and all that that whole area, hoi polloi is now closed and in july it will be replaced by united world soccer which had a permanent store during the world cup was taken away is now a um a kiosk in the you know the middle of everything and now it's going to get a permanent shop again so uh united world soccer. i guess it did well yeah you know, honestly, with the amount of international uh, groups that come yeah. in, yeah, just being able to sell your favorite soccer team's yep. uh, jersey, people want to buy that stuff. They would love mm-hmm. to buy that stuff. I would love to buy that stuff. So More that, than a Zen garden with a little rake? Exactly. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dustin. Correct. You got it. Uh, I'm taking Corey's since he couldn't be here today due to illness. But uh, on Disboards.com, we have our new media galleries where you can find all of our newest videos as well as pictures, including the pictures that have been going along with our Disneyland 7 and 7 series. Um, So Disboards.com, and then at the top, you will find a blue section that says Home, Forums, and Media. And from there, if you click Media, obviously... Uh, you'll see all the categories on the left, all the newest pictures kind of, and videos right in the middle of your page, and uh, that's where all of our new stuff is going to be hosted. Right. So. Uh, the This replaces PhotoPost, yes, which yeah. had been our, uh, our, our main photo repository for many years and uh, just became untenable to work with. So these new forums had a gallery, a media gallery add-on, which we, which we are using. So all the official Diz photos, everything that we shoot for any of our events, uh, anything like that, all appearing there. But also, if you are registered uh, on disboards.com, you may also upload in the member galleries as well. So you have that option there. And that makes it, for people who are posting on the boards, that makes it a lot easier to embed your photos into your posts and stuff like that and reference your photos. Exactly. Yeah. I can tell you I'm proud of everybody. Rapid fires were hard to come by. This I, I actually yeah. have another one that I was going to mention. Well, we're, we're running we're running short, and I've got a couple things I've got oh, to get you, to you, before we close. Yeah. So we've heard I'll enough here. Right. Um, <laughs> happy that you're at the big boy table, all right? <laughs> so, all right. Thank you for that, Craig. Um, there are a couple things uh, I want to talk about. So we're going to go long here, but I don't care. A um, couple things I want to talk about. Um, first off, I do want to talk about this experience that we had on uh what was it saturday night saturday night yeah and hollywood and, and vine which i think should be renamed hollywood and vile <laughs> um i've never had a good experience there and i know some people have but i think the vast majority of people anecdotally at least that i've talked to that have posted on my facebook page that i've talked to around this table that i've talked to in the parks anecdotally not many people have a very good opinion of this place now, they are doing the uh, Jedi Mickey dine at Hollywood and Vine. And you know, it's a cute little, cute little rhyme they've got going on there. If they put as much thought and creativity into the experience as they do into the name, maybe it would be a better meal. But it's not. And it's consistently bad. Except now, you know, because it's Jedi Mickey and Minnie dressed up as Princess Leia and Goofy dressed up as Darth Vader and uh, Chip and Dale dressed up as Ewoks... Uh, they think this warrants $59 a person. Wow. I couldn't believe it when you said that. $59 a person. I'm going to repeat that. Per adult. If your child is over the age of nine, you are going to pay $59 a person for this vile experience. 
And let me tell you why it's vile. First, the food isn't very good. It never is. It's better than it normally is, but that's just crap with a pretty stink <laughs> is the difference here. Um, it, uh, first of all, before you even walk in to this restaurant for this experience that you're going to pay $59 for, you are handed a postcard, a pre-printed postcard with the character's autographs, and you are told the characters will not sign autographs. $59 a person, they won't stop to sign autographs. Then you get inside, and the best part of the character experience was Jedi Mickey. He was into it, yeah, excited, dancing around, engaging. It was, you know, took time, take pictures. And he was just like uh, Darth Vader and Boba Fett were in our galactic breakfast. He was, uh, as soon as you walked through the door, you had a photo op with him. He didn't go around to the table. Right. And that was the only bright spot mm-hmm. in an otherwise dismal experience. The, like I said, the food wasn't very good. Um, and I don't blame the characters for the lack of interaction. I blame the fact that it was basically there was somebody behind them with a bullwhip going, move, 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 yeah. move. Um, this was the most stressful dining experience I've ever had in my life. You've got the characters coming around. The handlers are there. The kids are running around. You're, you're trying to get up and get your food. and the, the server is putting things down and taking things off the plate and they're off the table. And there's just all this stuff going on. And it's like, whoa. And it is made very clear, like I said, from before you walk in that your purpose is to get in and get out as quickly as possible for $59. Now, I know that people are going to say, look, we understand the food isn't going to be very good. We're doing this because our kids want the experience. Our kids want to see these characters. And I applaud parents that I'm not being sarcastic here. I applaud parents that do that because you do want to see that look on your children's face. You want to see them have that experience. And I applaud parents who do that. And this comment is directed at Disney. Can we feed the adults a decent meal while they're doing it, please? If we're going to charge them $59 for a dinner, because for $59, you can get a really nice meal across the street at the Brown Derby. Takes just as long to make good food as it takes to make crap. Yep. And this is a problem with this restaurant consistently. So why do parents have to choose between having an experience for their kids and getting a decent meal at the same time? Why are those two things so mutually exclusive so often with so many of your character experiences, or at least the character experiences you offer at Hollywood and Vine? At this point in time, it cannot be a secret to you that this food is crap. One of the yet, th- yet, you continue just to churn it out because you're making money on it. A lot of people don't know any better. And for a lot of people, okay, well, this is the only place in the park I'm going to get to see Doc McStuffins or whatever the <laughs> hell that thing's name is. <laughs> and so we're gonna, we have to, we have to go there if we want to have that experience for our kids. And again, I just think, you know, wasn't that the whole idea behind Disneyland? He wanted a place where parents could have an experience with their kids. Mm-hmm. Why do parents need to be punished? 
by having to eat crappy food because they they love their children and they want their children to have this experience and they're willing to pay $60 a person for it. It's absolutely absurd. Disney should be ashamed of itself. And I don't understand it because over on the other side of the park, at the Sci-Fi Dine-In, the Galactic Breakfast, which I did again and was just as good as the first time I did it, and the character experience was fantastic, and the kids were having a good time. And not only was I not rushed, I had a, a server that kept saying, can we bring you anything else? Can we get you this? Can we get you that? Please order more food. It just it, it, you talk about two polar opposite experiences. So what you can't import the concept from one part of the park to the other. You can't import the recipe from one part of the park to the other. I don't understand it. Why Hollywood and Vile has to be so bad so often and so expensive? I don't get it. I don't get it. It's not fair. Don't make parents choose between an experience for their children and a reasonable meal. Where they can walk out and say, okay, I was not just screwed with my pants on for having dinner in this place. That's all I'm saying. So that's all I want to say about that. The other thing I want to do on a much more positive note is a few weeks ago, we uh, did a get to know the team. And not all members of the team were here for that. So when I have one of them at the table, I want to make sure that we have their story. So we're going to turn it over to Kathy, and we want Kathy to tell her her story, how she got here. <laughs> so follow that. <laughs> Did you I want know to this was a, happening? No, she didn't. No, I didn't. Oh. No. Okay. Page came. <laughs> so. Well, Kathy has a great story. She has I, a great story. And I think I want to end on a positive note, and I know I was going to do a rant, and but I want to end on something positive, and no place better to go for Disney positive than the lovely and talented Kathy Worling. I'm not being nasty either. I mean that sincerely. <laughs> I started out as a, a Diz fan. I was on the Diz boards for many, many years, and you know, I lived and breathed when people posted pictures of Disney. And finally, one day, Katie decided that we didn't need to live in Pittsburgh anymore, and we moved to Florida. And I kept posting, and somewhere in there, I had applied to be an agent for Disneyland and for Dreams Unlimited for Dreams, and didn't make it. And then one day, I was sitting at my other job in Chicago. I was working an event in Chicago when John sent me an email and asked me if I wanted to be a Dreams agent. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is really cool. So came to work for Dreams and was still doing some... Um, oh, wait, now, had you applied to be an agent for Disneyland out in Disneyland? Or were you talking about with us? For, with Dreams. Okay, with Dreams. Okay, okay. And, you know, I think it was like a year later that I got... You know, John's email. John's very slow with email. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like really surprised. I'm like, oh, look, I'm getting an email from Dreams Unlimited. So um, that worked out really well because at the time I was doing both jobs. And then when that job went away because they laid me off, I came to work to dream with Dreams uh, full time. And I started off doing little things in the park, you know, just reporting on what was going on. And then um, it was right before Bob died. In fact, the four of us were all together over at Animal Kingdom, and we saw that is it Andrew, who's the young man we always used to say hello to. They're no, both uh, oh, uh, Anthony. 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 I'm sorry. Anthony. Okay. I, can't think of, I don't know Andrew. Who's Andrew? Okay. <laughs> but anyway, so the four of us were sitting there. Um, <coughs> Joe Rody gave a talk, 
and we were all talking and then that was on a thursday and that monday is when bob died bob died so it took a little while and john contacted me again and asked me if i wanted to be part of the podcast team and here i am but you didn't you didn't start out life as a disney fan did you no i didn't i used to make fun of people who came to to Disney. Hardcore made fun of people. We mock the things we are to become. She was a bully. (laughs) Wow, those tables have turned. Yes, they sure have, because I used to remember um, in Pittsburgh, there were a lot of friends and family that would come to Disney, and I'm like, oh, why would you ever want to go there? Because we, we, in Pittsburgh, we had um, Kennywood Park, which is, you know, well known. It's on the historic, you know, list of great places to be. And it's like, if it's like that, why would anybody want to go? And the first time I came, which was, you know, we came to um, my husband had died and my mother had died. And my sister said that it was time that we went somewhere and had fun. And my sisters had been to Disney for the first time. And they went, and you're going to Disney. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> nope, I am not coming. And the first couple days that I was here, I just walked around and went, it must be something in the water. It must be they put a chip in you. I was looking. I was looking for the nasty side of Disney, and I, you know, it took a couple of days, and I, you know, got up. We stayed at Caribbean Beach, so I don't know if that's why it's my favorite, but just the landscaping and everything at Caribbean Beach, you know, made me like Florida. But um, took a couple of days, and all of a sudden, you know, started going to the parks, and it's like, okay. There's lots of details here. wasn't I wasn't into the rides so much. It was the details, and then that's when we took the kids to Magic Kingdom, and they had said, you know, my son who was nine when his dad died, they had said to um, that he he should be the man of the family, and so my son was trying to be the man of the family at nine years old, and we came to Disney, and you know, I still wasn't into all that disney magic stuff and we walked into magic kingdom and i said and this was the year of the birthday cake castle and when my kids came around the corner and they saw main street i just saw all their cares leave their shoulders they went back to being kids and i'm like ah i'm starting to get it now and just i said everybody you know when when you when i came Nobody knew my story. That that's what hooked me on on Disney. As I I came and you know nobody knew I was supposed to have a husband or my mother had passed away and my kids didn't have a dad and it's like I could go, I could have fun. And when people go, you can, you know how Disney has designed it so that you can forget about what's going on in the real world. And when I would go into the parks, you know I could be a, a normal person because at that stage with being a widow I could walk in a room and, and conversation would just stop because everybody's there like oh we can't look like we're having fr- fun in front of mm. Kathy so to, to be able to go to Disney and see things and experience it as a normal person it was just awesome so we went in October I went home and I thought about it for a few days and I booked a Christmas vacation you know, and this was before I was an agent, and this was back in the days when you could fax Disney your reservation. <laughs> and I faxed them that I wanted Caribbean Beach, I wanted Waterfront, and I wanted my stay over Christmas. And I got all of it. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, it's a sign. So I came October, December, 
and I was back for Easter. And so that just sort of started, you know, the whole thing. And then when one time we were sitting at um, Caribbean Beach at Christmas, and Katie goes, you know what I want to do more than anything? And I'm like, no, what do you want to do? And she goes, I want to work for Disney. And I, I was smart enough not to say, oh, that'll never happen. Because Katie was my child that I thought, you know, was going to stay with me forever, and she wouldn't do that. And she went and did the college program twice. And not that Katie was a bad kid, but to see how Disney made her a very poised young woman, and she had the Disney in her. It it awakened it in her. And I said when she said that, you know, after she did the two college programs, she didn't want to come back to Pennsylvania. I went, well, that's okay. I don't want to live here either. So that's, (laughs) that's when we moved. And, you know, when we moved here, I thought I was coming for a quieter, simpler life. And, you know, through the Diz and dreams, my life has gone in a direction I never, ever thought that it would, but how awesome it has been to meet people from around the world that share my love of Disney and that I get to talk about it on a regular basis, you know, I never would have ever thought. So I went from totally over here hating it to totally loving it, and how come everybody doesn't love it like I do? So pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. What a great story. It is, and of course, I love love you. I love having oh, you, thank you here as part of the show, as part of dreams. Um, you know, so it's uh, that that is how <laughs> to end a show. So with that, we hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back with you again next time with another edition of the Diz Unplugged. Thanks for being with us, everyone, and remember, go to Disneyland. 